Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Interesting marketing day. We're going to kind of take a look at it from a different perspective. As you have uh, obviously have heard a lot of chatter on mainstream media about what's going on with the economy, with the bank failures. Uh, the Federal Reserve has a meeting next week. We, uh, of course, know what's been going on in the European Union and how much all this is being watched on Wall Street. Then let's just throw in the fact that AFS, uh, possible resurgence going on in China. So a lot of things we're going to take a look at today, and we're going to bring in the expert of experts. Arlen Suderman joins us today with StoneX, and we do really have to start out with this economy and what's going on with the bank failures. The two over the weekend, the continued chatter that's out there, putting a lot of folks kind of in an uneasy type of feel right now. Yeah, it is, and I understand that, and it probably should leave you uneasy. You know, what a lot of people forget is that we've had over 500 bank failures in the United States since 2009. Uh, but over the weekend, when Silicon Valley Bank failed, actually just ahead of the weekend, that was the largest regional bank that we've had fail since 2008. So that's why it caught a lot of attention. Significant implications for the banking industry, raising a lot of fears about what's the contagion, what other banks may be involved. And you can look at that bank and the decisions they made uh, in recent years, and you can kind of say, I'm not sure those were wise decisions. Um, And one thing I think I'd like to point out, there's a lot of blame going around Uh, for the Fed causing this because of their rate hikes, saying if the Fed wouldn't have been raising rate hikes, this wouldn't have happened. Well, the Fed raising rate hikes does not cause these problems, but it reveals problems more than anything else. When you have zero interest rates, a lot of bad decisions get made in the banking industry and in corporate America as well. And those problems, those bad decisions get exposed when interest rates are going higher. Now, I realize as I say this, we've got a lot of listeners who say, I like 0% interest. I, or on the farm, we don't get 0% interest. Uh, um, but I like low interest rates. And I understand that. I get that. But that's also not normal. And if you keep rates too low for too long, it does tend to lead to inflation problems, which is what we're trying to battle right now. And so, um, to some extent, we need to normalize interest rates. And I remember very well a little bit of perspective here. Yeah, we've been below 5% for the Fed's benchmark rate for most of the last 15 years. In fact, for the 2000s, we've spent most of our time below 5%. But we spent most of our time above 5% for the 35 years prior to that. And uh, so the Fed's in a, a tough situation right now. How many banks out there have made questionable decisions during this time of low interest rates? And so if they keep as rates go up, how many other banks out there might run into problems that might create systemic problems for the United States? Even if the Fed's not responsible for that, they still have to be concerned about that. But if they back off of their approach on trying to tame inflation, they can get let inflation get a better hold or a stronger hold. And one of the things that Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve, has mentioned before, for those who, like me, are old enough to remember back when we battled inflation over 40 years ago, when we started encountering pain, the Fed backed off on interest rates in early 1980. 
early part of that year. And inflation really took off then and got a stronger hold. And Paul Volcker then really had to take drastic measures and push interest rates up to 22% briefly in order to get a, a handle on inflation. And Jerome Powell has previously said, we don't want to make that same mistake. But in this case, this may not, they may not have a choice. And so, um, the Fed's got some very tough decisions to make here between now and next week's meeting, which will be on Tuesday and Wednesday. They'll announce their decision on Wednesday. And whatever they do, it's likely to impact the markets. Um, that's just not the equity markets, but it's the financial markets, that's the commodity markets. We saw what crude oil did today as the dollar shot higher. Uh, corn and wheat held relatively well for now. Um, but uh, they're vulnerable as well as we go forward. So all of this does affect us at the farm level. So you look at that uh, affecting us at the farm level. What's something that those in ag should be doing right now as they watch everything unfolding across the country and really across the globe? You know, last week when I was at Commodity Classic, I had a lot of farmers come up and say, I still have 150,000 bushels of corn I haven't sold. I know I should have. Um, but what do I do now? And similar stories for the other commodities as well. It means that we have to be careful and not get too greedy, and we need to look at our marketing decisions from a business standpoint, and that there are risks in today's world. And when we get opportunities to lock in margins, we need to do so and take advantage of those opportunities. And yes, we may miss out on some bigger opportunities, but if we're still in business, if we've been able to lock in positive margins and grow our equity, we know we're gonna be in business a year from now. And it means that 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 risk management plan also needs to include ways to mitigate your risk of rising interest rates, rising commodity input costs as well and look at a total general risk management plan that not only includes when to market what you produce, but when to price and how to produce, uh, how to lock in rates on what you utilize in operating your farm business. All right, we'll stick around, folks. When we come back, we've got a lot more to continue discussing on this issue. And, of course, what's happening with China? You know, they most recently were buying more corn from the U.S. But what about this AFS talk? We'll find out more details coming up. Stick around. Part two is just around the corner. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to the Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish, FSR with Fontenelle Hybrids. We're going to visit with Bob Wiseman. He's a Fontenelle Hybrids dealer in the Hershey, Nebraska area. So, Bob, tell us what you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle Hybrids. I would say it's the relationships that we've built with our FSRs and agronomy guys. Just the knowledge that's out there and any questions, people are readily available to answer and and help you out. And being a dealer for Fontenelle, what's been the most rewarding aspect for you? Finding the products that fit a producer's needs and watching them succeed. And what makes Fontenelle stand out among other local seed brands? I would say it's probably our large selection of quality hybrids to fit all maturities and then the abundance of varieties with and without traits to fit everybody's needs. For more about us, you can visit Bob Wiseman there in the Hershey area, any of our Fontenelle dealers across the state of Nebraska, or go to Fontenelle.com. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Of course, Arlen is with Stonex. First half, we kind of talked about what's going on in this economy. And as you heard um, Arlen mention uh, the Fed Reserve's meeting next week. Having said that, what type of tone? I mean, we're looking at a Wednesday right now. But what are we looking at going into next week with the anticipation of what may or may not be said? Yeah, I, I said at the beginning of the week that I felt like, well, actually, I said at the beginning of last week, and it's proved to be true, and it's carried into this week, that I felt like we were going to be much more vulnerable to headline risk. A lot of times those headline risks are going to be from the outside markets, and that's really been the case for these commodities um, as we continue to get swayed around by what's happening on Wall Street. So looking at the uh, the bigger global picture, and, and you and I talked about this before the show started, uh, European Union, I know there's been some issues, headlines with banking and funding coming in. Um, China's back in the market once again for grains. So there's a lot of interesting global pushes as well out there. Oh, yeah, and, and the latest is about Credit Suisse uh, continuing to struggle. They've been struggling for years, and, and a headline today that... Uh, said that uh, Saudi Arabia said they weren't going to give any more money to Credit Suisse is really what created all the fears. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything new there, but it certainly did raise a lot of the fears in the marketplace. Uh, I think one of the things as far as fundamentally, though, that we look at is the fact that uh, we've got increased corn demand going to China, and there's been a lot of rumors in the cash market late and activity, and I felt like China's been buying corn now for several weeks. We have uh, evidence of that from USDA reports that they've confirmed um, over over 50 million bushels purchased here over the last couple of days that USDA's reported. Um, cash rumors would suggest that maybe there's at least another 30 million bushels uh, to be announced before we're all done. And I do expect China to buy more corn this year than what USDA indicates. I think the big price break that we got in late February gave them a great opportunity to try to rebuild their reserves. They're also dramatically cutting back on the amount of rice that they make available to the cash market this year to get fed. That could increase demand for corn by 18, 20 million or more metric tons. Um, So certainly that is happening. China's, uh, uh, you know, a mixture of positive and negative right now. Uh, there have been reports of African swine fever once again breaking out in the country. And it's interesting, in m- one of my employees I have in Shanghai wrote a piece about this to our customers yesterday and said that it's really all started with an industry survey in China because there's no official reports or anything. And this industry survey said that there had been an, an ASF breakout um, because the virus seems um, – to have mutated and, and the measures taken to control it in the past aren't working as well. Remember, they've really commercialized their herds now and concentrated their production in these large hog facility production facilities. So that can keep it out for a while, but once it gets in, the numbers that get hit are much larger. So the survey was saying that um, some pig farms had cut their producing capacity, the breeding sow herd, by 20 to 30 percent, and and these producers said that if this round continues, that they could see a further destocking of the breeding herd by 30 to 50 percent over the next three months. That's difficult to verify. I think that's questionable. We're not seeing that much evidence of that yet in the feed consumption side of it. 
Um, and we're hearing from others in this industry that they're not seeing that significant of an increase. So we're getting a little mixed signal. I think it's important to keep it in perspective with the, the security measures that they take. We are going to see some herds get hit, but others should be protected. Um, and so, but it's just another story that we need to follow that could create some volatility and maybe some demand for U.S. pork again. Which will be good news for the pork industry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the corn they buy is going to largely go into the reserves, so that's good short-term, um, and maybe we'll see some more pork demand going there as well. All right, let's look south of the border. What's going on with Argentina right now? Uh, production estimates continue to go lower. I saw one private production estimate today putting the soybean crop in the mid-20s, so that's less than half of a crop in the corn crop at, at uh in the low 30 million metric ton level. Uh, the question is, is how does it affect the United States? And I think the corn market has underestimated how much that's gonna affect our, positively affect our corn exports going forward. And it's overstated how much it's going to affect our demand for U.S. soy meal. And I think we're seeing that correction now. The soybean market looking like it's starting to tip over in that realization and the corn market starting to show some strength again. All right, like it or not, it is going to be a planting season here before we know it. Hopefully some good weather, slow snow melt, and a less stressful spring planting season for many. Arlen, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Oh, on stonex.com, or they can follow me on Twitter and message me. Um, that's My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. Well, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.